Psalm 139 tonight. We're going to look at a passage in Psalm 139 that normally, as we look at it, uh, we think of abortion. And there is definitely an application to abortion. But that's not the principal reason this is written. And I want us to catch the principal reason this is written, rather than just... um, to, to go with the thought that normally comes to mind when we look at this passage. Uh, so we're going to take the whole psalm uh, as one whole, and we'll focus on the second part of it now uh, in just a moment. That's a word of prayer, though, before we begin. Father, would you bless us tonight, Lord? We, we thank you, Lord, that you are good. You're only good. You're always good to us. And Lord, we thank you that you didn't start being good to us, Lord, just when we were born or when we got saved. You've always been good. Even before we were born, you were good to us. Now, would you bless us tonight, Lord? Help us to realize how much you love us, how detailed your understanding of us is, and, Lord, how you bless in our lives, Lord, and stay close to us. And, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 139, we started last week. Let's just touch off, recap on what we looked at last week. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. How well does God know you? There's nothing about you that he doesn't know. That's terrifying. And yet when you get past the terrifying stage, that's so comforting. Because he knows everything about me. I don't have to hide. There's no point in hiding with him. He knows everything about me. But not only does he know everything about me, but he loves me. The one that knows you best loves you most. He knows you and he loves you completely. There's no need to hide from him. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. You went home, and I'm sure at some stage you sat down. Maybe you sat down for your dinner. Uh, God saw you sit down. He was there. And then you got up and you went on about your day and maybe you went for a rest or maybe you read or did something else. God, God was watching all of that. There's none of it that, you know, God didn't kind of, God doesn't live in the church and, and wave you goodbye as you're going out. God goes with you. He's everywhere. He, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> and, he, and he knows everything that we do. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Now, I'm glad it doesn't say he knows your thought. He understands your thought. Do you know that God understands our frailty, our weakness, our foolishness? He understands all of it. It's not a surprise to him. He doesn't look into your mind and go, oh, I can't believe he's like that. I can't believe she's like that. He doesn't do that. He made you and he understands and he knows. It doesn't make it right, but God doesn't look at you and, 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 and think, oh, I can't stand them. <clears throat> Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything that you do. For there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. You and I don't speak a word, but God knows it. He, <clears throat> he knows what we say. Um, <clears throat> thou hast beset me behind and before and Lay thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It, it is high. I cannot attain unto it. Now, David is writing as one, obviously, that is comfortable. 
with the fact that God knows everything about him. He lives in that reality. He knows that God knows everything about him. Uh, he, he knows he's not perfect, but when, he's, when he gets it wrong, he, he gets it right again and confesses it. But, but he's very comfortable with the fact that God knows everything about him. And you and I need to be comfortable with that thought, too. We need not to be living a double life. Sometimes believers live a double, double life, right? They, here's what they're professing to believe, but here's where they're living. And we talked about it last week. That's a double-minded person. And that double-minded person, the Bible says, is going to be unstable in all their ways. There has to be, this is what I believe, and this is how I live. Right? And no, you're not going to get it perfect, but confession of sin makes it right again. So even when you don't get it right, you know you didn't get it right, and you, you make it right again. But you have to bring your person into one being. There has to be an integrity about you. There has to be uh, a oneness about you. And you have to actually live what you believe. When you live what you believe, you're like David. You, you know that God knows everything, but it doesn't bother you. You're not trying to hide anything from him because really there's nothing to hide. And you know he sees it all. So when you get it wrong, you're saying, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. And you're, and you're making it right. <clears throat> and, and that's where we need to live. That's where, there's no peace for us apart from that. There's no peace for us if we're, if we're professing one thing and, and, and living another thing. We need to bring it together. We need to be one person, one being, uh, living before our Lord uh, with peace in our hearts that we're okay with him and he's okay with us. He's okay with what he sees within us. <clears throat> Verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Now he moves on to a new thought here, right? He talks first of all about how God knows him. God knows everything about him. He says, Where sh- whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, below, behold, thou art there. doesn't matter how high up I go. doesn't matter how low down I go. You're there. Now, that's because God is omnipresent. You see, he's at the farthest reaches of his universe, and he's here all at the same time. So it doesn't, there's nowhere to, that you can go that you can hide from him. Uh, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. So there's, there's, there's nothing, there's nowhere that you and I can hide from him. There's no thought, there's no word, there's no action that we can hide from him. He sees it all. He's intimately involved in everything that happens in our world. He's intimately involved in your life. But what we're going to see now is that he was intimately involved with you before you were ever born. Look at our psalm again. Verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. 
Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. All right, now we'll pull all all of this together uh, as we go through it. But he starts in verse 13. He says, For thou hast possessed me, Um, God when it says thou it's very emphatic it says you and you alone and none other and the idea of possessing there is the idea of creating the source, the origin Uh, so David says to God you and you alone and not another made me. There's a great truth for us to bite into and take on board there. It's a very simple truth, but it's a very great truth. The world today is fighting with the idea of just this fact that God and God alone created them. You'll often hear how wonderful Mother Nature is. Who is Mother Nature? She doesn't exist. Nature, Nature has no power of its own. Nature is what God put in things when he created things so that they could do what he wanted them to do. Nature didn't create you. Nature may well have been uh, the means that God used, but nature's not the creator. It's God and God alone. It's a great day in our hearts when we come to that place where we recognize, I am here Not by an accident. I am here not by evolution. I am here not because somebody or something put me here. I am here because God put me here. You sit in a seat here in this church tonight. Why? Because God put you on this planet. And the God that put you on this planet has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for every one of our lives. Our lives are not just random uh, happenings that we go through. We don't know what. We don't know why. And we, we end up... no. God put us here for a reason. He and he alone created you. You're not an accident of nature. You're not even just from your your mother and father. You are here because God created you. God put you here for a purpose. Let us look further into the verse. Uh, Thou hast possessed my reins. Now, your reins there are your inward parts. Right? Your reins would be, your, uh, the literal translation would be your kidneys. Right? That uh, God created your kidneys. Right? <clears throat> and um, uh, God decided uh, how you were going to be made. When you were still in the womb, God was at work. Now think about it for a second. You know, <clears throat> every one of us are different. We're different on the outside. We're we're different on the inside. We're pretty complicated creatures when you begin to look inside us and see how how things go uh, inside us. And God created us 
in a particular way. Now, now think with me for a second. Mr. Rankin, I use your kidneys as an illustration tonight. <laughs> I should have asked you beforehand. You can't really say no now, all right? Uh, Mr. Rankin, we, we, the reason I do is because we all know your kidneys better than any other kidneys in the place, all right? Uh, Mr. Ryan has kidney stones. He has one kidney that, that produces stones ad infinitum. It's actually a quarry. It's constantly produces stone, stones and, and constantly making his life difficult. Right Now, he thinks that there, there, there may be a reason um, why it's there. But do you know that God created Mr. Ryan's kidneys? And when he created them, he knew they were going to give him trouble. He knew he was going to have trouble with it. It's, it's not an aberration. It's not kind of something that shouldn't have happened. It's something that God created with a plan and a purpose. Because God was in the womb actually making a person long before Mr. Ryan's name was ever even thought of. God was doing a work. Some of you have physical ailments that, that bother you. You know, um, and do you know, now I understand, we're supposed to be good stewards of our bodies and look after our bodies and treat them well so they uh, treat us well, and you, you, you can definitely affect it. Uh, but do you know that a lot of the things that surface in your body are in your DNA? High blood pressure, for instance. Right? <clears throat> um, you know, they, they, they say high blood pressure is to do with the things that you eat. And, I, and I'm sure it has an effect and an impact on it. Please don't take this as a reason why you shouldn't look after your blood pressure. Right? But I remember for the, for the longest time, I love butter. I absolutely love butter. I, I, have, I have bread with my butter rather than butter with my bread. Right? I just love butter. Right? <clears throat> and I remember my family, they were always telling me, you're going to have high cholesterol. Right? And I remember going to the doctor, finally going to the doctor to get my bloods done and thinking, well, I suppose this is the end of my butter. Hey, he's going to say to me, your cholesterol's high, you've got to get rid of, your, rid of the butter out of your diet, because they had all programmed me to believe that I was ruining my cholesterol with it. And so I went into the doctor, the doctor did the te- took the bloods and did the test. And so I went back to see him later on, and he said, your cholesterol's perfect, he said. Um, in fact, I'd buy it if I could. <laughs> now, that, that's not an excuse for me not being a good steward, all right? Uh, but you know what? It's written in our DNA, who we are and the problems and the difficulties that we're going to have in our bodies. They're not accidents of nature. God put them there for a reason. God's, God made us in a particular way for particular reasons and He's got certain things that are in us. Now, yeah, we're supposed to be good stewards. We're supposed to be look, look after our lives. We can cut our, short, our lives short by not looking after our lives. But we've got to understand this, that no, no, it was him and him alone that made me. And he made me in a particular way for a particular purpose. He made me just like he wanted me to be. Do you ever wonder... How there can be seven billion of us on the planet and we all have different fingerprints? Do you ever, do you ever wonder how do things happen? I mean, because that's the way God made you. Do, do, do you realize that you're not a batch? You didn't come in a batch. You didn't come in the batch of, for me, 1958. Uh, it's not a batch. You were individually made in the womb. Why? Because God had a plan for you. God had work he wanted you to accomplish. God had something he wanted to use you to touch the world for. It doesn't have to be great and lofty and high, but he had a purpose for creating you exactly the way he created you. 
Let's keep going, though, right? Um, Thou covered me in my mother's womb. Right? God was there in your mother's womb, and he, he, the word is, knitted you together. Amazing, isn't it? God puts you together piece by piece. There's something silly, right? Morecambe and Wise, right? Um, <clears throat> laughing is actually good for you. And uh, sometimes I'll watch something like Morecambe and Wise, and they, they, were doing, uh, they were doing a Frankenstein skit. And it was uh, <clears throat> part of the hilarity, hilarity, hilarity of it was that they were, they were actually adding bits into their Frankenstein monster. They were picking up bits and uh, buying them on, <clears throat> in the shops, and they were adding them in to um, Frankenstein uh, to, to make up their monster. And then they were putting their monster together. And you know the story. There was supposed to be lightning and, uh, and all the rest. But do you know there's a literal truth in the fact that God actually puts you together piece by piece? You're not an accident. Yeah, you look at yourself and you say, oh, I wish this was different about me. I, 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 I wish I had a better this, or I wish I looked like this, or I wish... You're not an accident. There's, there's nothing accidental about you. You know, sometimes parents <clears throat> will say about a child, well, the child was an accident. There are no accidental children. None. They're all planned. Maybe not by the parents, but they're planned by God. God planned them. God has a purpose. And God puts them together in the womb. Do you realize that that makes what goes on in the womb a very sacred thing? Because what our passage is telling us is that God is in there putting a child together. Now, we're not dealing with abortion here. But this just blows any idea that anybody has the right to take a baby's life in the womb. As soon as the baby is conceived, God says, he's there. He, he did it. Uh, he's working on it. Uh, he's involved in it. And there's absolutely no way that anybody has the right to say, well, you know, if this is inconvenient to me, I want to, I want to get rid of it. You say, well, what about birth defects? <clears throat> you know, you can get a car that's made on a Friday, they say, and it'll have problems. You buy a new car, and your, your car comes off, the, uh, off the, the ramp, but it was made on a Friday, and the guys were just anxious to get home, and they, they didn't do what they were supposed to do, and your car was just, it, it just has defects. And some new cars have defects. Now, <clears throat> I knew a guy who, who got so fed up with, all, uh, with his cars breaking down that he bought a brand new car. It was, he never had more trouble with any car in his life, he said. It just, it just absolutely wrecked his head. Uh, his whole purpose in buying it uh, didn't work. You can get that with a car. Right? But do you know what God does on do Fridays? There's no such thing as a birth defect. It's planned. And you say, but that, that's, that sounds pretty hard. No, that's, that's the way it is. God's in there at work. He makes no mistakes. When he actually, when he actually puts a little one together, and to, to, to our way of thinking, they, they have defects, he, he puts them together for, like that for a purpose. There's no such thing as, a, as somebody, God never looks down and says, oh, what was I thinking? Why wasn't I on the ball there? This is God that's doing it. So, <clears throat> If you ever get the news that your baby's got a birth defect, 
and that really you, you need to abort this baby because there's no way this baby's going to be a healthy whole uh, being, you need to say, you know what? If it's true, and it's not always true, the doctors don't always know what they're talking about. Right? All, their, all their tests and so on, there are too many examples of children that are living whole lives uh, after doctors said that they, they, they wouldn't be there. Too many examples out there for the, uh, to think the doctors always have it right. But even if they do have it right in your case, this baby is planned. It's planned by one who gives life. And, and you don't have the right to say, no, I don't, I don't want this. Could it mean <clears throat> difficulties in your life? Yeah, it could. But they'd be planned. And with the difficulties would come blessing, would come grace. But God doesn't make mistakes. Now, <clears throat> what about you? You may have some things, some issues in your life, and you think, oh, I wish God had done it differently. And I suppose it's reasonable for us to wish God did it differently. But he didn't do it the way he did it in your life by accident. Didn't on purpose. Made some of you short. He made some of you tall. Some of you, uh, you know, you can get away with <clears throat> with eating food and it doesn't bother you. Some of you, if you even smell the food, uh, you put on weight. I mean, God, God made us all different. And he made us different on purpose. By the way, I think we should make peace with our bodies on that basis. I think we should stop always trying to be like somebody else. Because what we've got is, we've got a culture that has told us what perfection is. And we're all going after what the culture has told us is perfection. And we're neglecting the fact, no, you know what? God made us different. You know, God made some of you to be skinny, and God made some of you to carry weight. And again, I'm not saying you shouldn't be a good steward of your body and you shouldn't look after it and, and keep it healthy, but that's the issue. Healthy is the issue. You, you can't remodel your body uh, and make it different because you're not happy with what God did with it. I think sometimes we're inadvertently fighting against God because we live in a world that says you're supposed to sculpt your own body and do your own thing and make it the way you want it to be. I think we need to make peace with our bodies. God made me the way I am for a purpose. The way I look, uh, God made my insides, God made all of these things for a purpose. He was there. He was on the job. He never gets it wrong. He never misses it. So God was making you the way you are. I I think maybe we could stop bellyaching and trying to be different and we could start accepting. You know what? God got it right in my life. He knows what he was doing. You got a defect, got a physical problem that, that, that dogs you? And you think, oh, this is not fair. I shouldn't have this. You know what? God put it there for a reason. Make peace with it. It's okay. You, you know, the, hard, the greatest hardship in our lives is when we're at odds with ourselves and God over something he's done that we won't, we, we won't accept. And it doesn't matter that you don't accept it. He doesn't change it because you don't accept it. <clears throat> But it makes it a whole lot easier to live. You can just come to the place where you say, you know what? He got it right. It's okay. I'm good with it. I'm good with what he's done. I'm not going to fight with him. I'm not going to fight it. I'm good with what God's done. I'm good with the way he did this. Um, He did it right. Um, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. 
you know, there's this great fear at the moment that AI, artificial um, intelligence, will take over and run the world. Now, I think it's junk, personally. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we could create a machine that would kill us all. Uh, I think we could do that. Uh, but I don't think any machine is going to take off and decide it wants to kill us all all by itself. I, why? Because we're much sharper than machines. We can't make a machine that's as clever as we are. We can make a computer that can work faster, but we can't make a machine that's better than we are. We, we just can't. Right? Because we're made in the image of God. We've got an ability to think, uh, to will to do things. Machines don't have that. Now, we can build a lot of things into them. And I think it's going to get uh, exciting, and I think you know, there, there, there may be accidents and so on, and they may be, we may be able, to be able to create machines that are much more logical than we are, and they can actually do things, but we can't create anything that can think like we do. Because they don't have the life that God put in us, in them. So I don't think we're going to have that. I don't, don't, don't think we're going to have um, machines uh, because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you, ever, did you ever watch your body when you get a cut on your body? I mean, you cut your finger, and after a while, your finger will heal up all by itself. It will heal up all by itself. All the little um, bacteria and everything else gets going, and your finger begins to heal up. And after a while, you, you look at it, and there's, there's no mark. It's gone. It's fixed itself. It's self-repairing. Now, Rory, when you love, they make some cars like that, that they just self-repair, that they, 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 they fix themselves. But they don't. That's much more complicated than, than, than science can actually do. You know, I've got lots of tools, and, and I mean, they're great tools, and they're useful tools, but you know what? When you wreck them, you may be able to fix them, but you have to do something to fix them. They never fix themselves. They never come right again. I've got lots of tools, but you know, so often... When I'm doing something, I'll, I'll put the tool down and I'll use my hand because there's nothing I have in all the hundreds and hundreds of tools I have that's anything near as versatile as my hand. My hand can do more than any of the tools can do. It can get in places and do things. And so often, why? Because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I can think, I can respond to things, <clears throat> you know, we have incredible things. You, you, remember, remember when we built the, the, the sideway here? We, we thought we were all going to crash into it, and probably some of you have crashed into it from time to time uh, and got caught on it. Um, but it's amazing how many times we can drive through that narrow space, and there's maybe six or eight inches either side of your car, and you can just go through it. Now, if you're an experienced driver, you, you don't watch this side, because if you watch this side, you're going to hit the other side. And you don't watch the other side either, what you do is you look straight ahead, you gauge the distance, you work out a computation, not on paper, not even on your iPad, you just work it out and you drive through and it works all the time. Unless you get distracted, you know, and um, uh, do something silly, you make it through all the time. How do you, how do, you do that? I mean, if we were to work out scientifically what it takes to drive a car through the side passage of the church here, it's, it would probably just bury our brains. But we don't even think about it. We just do it all the time. We, we adjust for things. You know, you'll be driving down the road and you'll make an adjustment to your driving. Uh, you know, we're constantly 
reconfiguring things around us. How do you do that? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that's how you do that. Language. The English language is a very complex language. Right? I mean, you just have to look at some of the uh, conjugations and so on in English. It's an impossible language to learn. Any of you that have had to learn it when you had another first language, you, you can bear testimony to that because it, it, some of the rules of the English language don't make any sense whatever. Right? <clears throat> um, do you know little babies learn English language? They just learn it. It comes out of them. Right? You know, uh, uh, you ask them, do they know the rules of grammar? They have no idea of the rules of grammar. But they're programmed to be able to communicate and to be able to learn, and it's amazing. You watch these little ones, and they begin to learn. And uh, English, as complicated as it is, begins to flow uh, from their lips, and, and they can do it. Do you ever think about music? Now, I know people got to learn music, but you know, you were all singing there. You never saw that song before. Most of you were singing. If you, haven't, if you weren't singing, shame on you, right? Uh, how, how did you do that? Because God's put an ability in us to, uh, to follow notes and to, 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 to hear by ear and to, uh, uh, and to just respond to it. You know, when it comes to learning and, and memorizing things, it's amazing what's in our brains. It's amazing what we can do. It's, it's amazing how fearfully and wonderfully made we are. And that's what David is saying. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Nobody can explain. You know, I know Frankenstein talked about putting life in, in things, and we have scientists today, and they're talking about putting life in things. They can't, and they never will. It's beyond them. It's a God thing. He is the I am that I am. He is the self-existent one. And he alone has the power to put life in things. A computer doesn't have life. Uh, a robot doesn't have life. It's programmed to do certain things. But we have life. God has put something in us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We are amazing. Not because of how wonderful we are, but because of what God has put in us. He, he didn't make us one of the animals. He made us totally different. He gave us a complete difference. He, he, he gave us will. He gave us the ability to self-determine, to choose to do things. We don't just react by instinct like the dog does. You know, sometimes it looks like the dog. Uh, it's actually thinking it through, doesn't it? The, the dog was in our, uh, in our living room <clears throat> before we came out, and I walked out of the room to do something. And when I come back in, about three minutes later, the dog is up on the couch. Now, the dog's not allowed on the couch. <laughs> uh, and it looks like the dog's, oh, great, he's not here. I'll get up on the couch. And I'm sure at some level that's, when that, that's what went on for the dog. But the dog is not thinking it all through like you and I do. Because he doesn't have the ability to choose that you and I do. He's a completely different kind of a creature. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in God's own image. We're made for a purpose. Let me say this. All, all of creation, obviously, has its purpose. But <clears throat> you're not just the top of... Man is just not just the top of the to totem pole. Man is the purpose of it all. Man is the reason for it all. God, God made it all, and all of it reflects on us. 
you know, <clears throat> planet Earth is not the center of the universe, right? <clears throat> um, but planet Earth is placed in the optimum place for actually seeing the universe. We couldn't be in a better place than we are to see the universe. We've been placed right in the right place anywhere else, and we wouldn't be able to see everything that we can do. The heavens declare the glory of God to who? To us. I think it's all about us. That God made it all for us. Now, not about us in an end sense, but it's all about us in that God was creating, the whole, whole thing is created so that human beings could live, exist, glorify, trust, and spend eternity with him. God did it all so that we so that we could have so that he could have us. Um, <clears throat> Verse fifteen. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And that's in the womb. He's talking about in the womb there, the protection. But y- you weren't hid from God. God watched all of it. He watched this project that he had going. You know, project that had your name. And he was working out something. He was, he was making something. Uh, it wasn't hid from him. Uh, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. And every member, every part of your body, God wrote into the book. None of it was by accident. Every part of it was on purpose. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Now, what's David doing there? He's getting happy as he thinks about what God did in creating him. He's getting excited. He's, he's, he's going from giving us facts and he's slipping into, whoa, this is amazing. And God, you're amazing and your thoughts are amazing. And, and what he's doing is he's just slipping into worship. And understanding the creation and all that God has done presses us into worship. It becomes just a reality for us. We want to worship. Right? And then he switches gears completely. He's talking about what's happened inside of him and, and how wonderful it is and how excited he is. And look at verse 19. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. Now, that sounds totally out of place in the psalm. But here's what he's saying. God, you're so wonderful. You did it all so amazingly. You created me. You created us. Uh, you know all about it. You know everything. Surely you're going to slay the wicked. Surely they are no offense to you. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee. And what's he saying there? He's saying, Lord, I want nothing to do with those people that, 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 that um, uh, blaspheme your name and that <clears throat> take away from your glory. Now, this is kind of an aside, but let me drop it in here at this point. Uh, who are the people you hang out with? Who are the friends that you keep? Are they ungodly people? David realizing that God knows everything that's going on inside of me. 
I, there's nowhere I can get away from God. In fact, God created me and put everything in me that's in me and worked all of it out. Said, you know what? If people don't like you and don't want to be around you, I don't want to be around them either. The <clears throat> Bible says that evil communications corrupt good manners. And if you hang out with godless people, if you hang out with people that blaspheme his name and don't want anything to do with God, it's going to have an impact on you. It just is. There's no way for you to do it. Now listen, you don't need to isolate yourself. You need to understand, you know, <coughs> we have a mission to, to reach a word. You're going to have to make contact with people. You may have to work with godless people. You may, but you're going to have to think about this. I don't want to be around people that hate God. I don't want to be around those people. I'm going to choose my companions because I want to be around people that love God. I want to be around people that, that, that want him, uh, that look to him. Right? And, um, and, and David saying, listen, I hate them. You know, 1 John 2.15 uh, says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And do you know that we make a choice? God, God gives us rich revelation. God pours out blessing upon us and God shows us who he is and how we're made and why we're made and what the purpose of it all is. And a natural response to that would be to praise him and to not want to be around people that hate him. Who do you hang out with? Who are your friends? What are the choices that you make when it comes down to relationships? Because your relationship with God is going to be affected by those things. David is, you know, has an understanding of God that says, no, I want nothing that's going to tear away from this. He's, he's finding a relationship with God that makes it sweeter than anything the world has to offer. And he says, I don't want that. Right? Okay, let's finish here. Um, <clears throat> I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Now look at verse 23. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now you know where David comes to? David comes to the place where he says, You know what? God knows every thought and everything I do and everywhere I am. God knows. Um, God, God is everywhere I go. God created me for a purpose. He knows me better than I know myself. And he says, Lord, search me. See if there be any wicked way. Is there anything in me that offends you, Lord? Because if there is, I want it gone. Because I've got something so wonderful with you, I just want it gone. I want it removed. I want to take it out of my life. I, I, I don't want to have it, Lord. I want, I want my life to be right with you. And, and this is not David, you know, Quivering and quaking in fear. This is David saying, I've got something with you, God, that's so precious to me that I don't want anything to come between it. Lord, you know me like nobody else knows me. Lord, you're everywhere I go. Lord, even in the womb, you were there and you made me for your purpose and your plan. And Lord, I don't want anything that could come between us. Lord, is there anything? And... When he asked God to search him, it, you know, it's implicit in the whole thing. If there's something there, I don't want it. I want, I want rid of it. Now, I wonder, 
Knowing God as we know him tonight, would you be willing to ask God to search you? And then to respond to God by saying, okay, Lord, if you don't like that, if that's not pleasing in your eyes, then I want rid of it too. I wonder would you be willing to do that? Since we have a God who knows us that well, who's <clears throat> watches over everything in our lives, who's created you for a purpose, would you be willing to say, Lord, search me? And if there's something there that you don't like, I don't want it either. I'm glad to get rid of it and mean it. Let's take a moment and I'll pray and I'll give you a moment just to do business with God and then we'll see. Father, would you thank, we thank you tonight, Lord, for uh, the blessing of your word. We thank you, Lord, for being able to see your truth, Lord. <clears throat> In a day, Lord, when the world is so confused. And Lord, we thank you for making us the way you intended to make us. We thank you for making us the people that you want us to be and for, Lord, even for the, the, the difficulties and what we would consider, Lord, to be uh, maybe <clears throat> obstacles to us living the way we want to live. Lord, we thank you for all of it because you knew what you were doing. Now, Lord, would you bless us? Would you bless this people, Lord, since you know us and since you uh, are, are all around us and there all the time and since, Lord, you, you created us for a purpose, so would you bless us tonight and, Lord, have us honestly ask you, if there's anything in us that would offend you. And Lord, may we deal with it, uh, even where we sit, and get it sorted. In Jesus' name.